Hello and welcome back to Throwback Reviews Podcast. This is going to kick off our 2023 series of going through the 80s month. We're going to take a different year every month. If you didn't listen to the previous kind of public service announcement that we put out previous to this, that is the plan for the next 10 months. We'll be this month, January, we're going to be covering movies from 1980. Uh, and we're going to start it off with uh, kind of a somber movie. This uh, was a movie that um, kind of really impacted me as a kid. Um, and, and before I get into it, uh, Rob, we've talked a lot. I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast, just a lot of the 80s, we were raised by HBO. We talked about it all the time. It's brought up on our podcast. I've heard it on lots of other podcasts. Oh, I saw this on HBO. So I think a lot of these movies, for me at least, were seen on HBO. So even though they're 1980 movies, I don't know what the turnaround was back then, but I would guess, you know what, maybe a year after the movie was released, right? So kind of just get a you know, I think there's one movie on here that I actually, that we're going to talk about tonight that I actually saw in the theater. So... You know, I was born in 74, so I was probably about seven, maybe even eight when I saw these. Some of these I could have seen later, but I'm, you know, so this this first movie that I'm going to talk about was an HBO movie for me, and I saw it a, a couple times, and uh, it's The Elephant Man, and uh, it was, it, it was, you know, it, I say it all, said all that because I want to put the the idea of being a young kid right so you have this movie that is supposed to be based on events of a a real person John Merrick right Um, they they purposely well the one thing I like about the movie is that it's black and white so it's 1980 but it's black and white it gives it that more of a period piece kind of feel to the movie right and uh, you know as a kid watching this even being young, I kind of I could grasp the fact that they're trying to portray different things with him. So he's treated and and presented to the audience as this freak, uh, this monster. But he ends up having you know um, who who is the uh, doctor? It was the the guy from Silence of the Lambs, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. That's right. Um, as the, as he kind of, I, I don't even remember exactly how he comes in contact with him, but he wants to study him to find out what's going wrong. And, um, you know, it's just this, this movie where, like I said, you, he's in sideshows and he's beaten and he's, he's just treated like, like an animal, like a, a commodity to make money from. Um, and it's really sad, but as a young kid, you know, Honestly, like it was scary to me because I was a young kid. But even as the movie progressed and it and towards the end, I, I could feel the emotion um, that he wasn't right. And 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 the love or love might be a little bit strong, but with Anthony Hopkins' character really kind of treating him finally like a human being. You know what I'm saying? So it was. It, it was it was kind of a rough one for me as a kid, and I revisited it later in life, and I had the same feelings as far as like I, I, the emotions. It's it just provokes different emotions watching this movie. It's it's a sad yet beautiful movie in in a way, if that makes any kind of sense. 
Yeah. Um, so I definitely saw this uh, for the first time on HBO. Um, we had HBO like right when HBO kicked off. Uh, we, we had HBO. My dad had an antenna on top of our house <laughs> where we got free HBO for many years. Um, so so we had HBO just, you know, basically as long as I can remember. Um, and a lot of these movies, they would put on HBO and they would just show them over and over and over, you know. So um, I look, one of the movies we'll talk about tonight, I looked up the trivia and it said, uh, the only reason people have ever seen this movie is because of HBO, <laughs> you know. So um, I saw The Elephant Man. I was into um, magic as a kid. And then that kind of gets you into like, I think there's a, a short path between magic and then sideshows and those type of performances like circus sideshows. Um, so I don't know if I knew about the elephant man before the movie, but I, I definitely read about him afterwards and, and, um, uh, you know, so you, you see the pictures of this man and, and what a horrible fate, uh, to be of not just average intelligence, but above average intelligence. He was a smart guy. And then just to be so disfigured, uh, and, and grotesque looking, uh, that you know people uh reacted like a monster now uh i, I looked up some of the trivia you know that's, that's a, one of the things that i always do i'm sure you do the same thing mm -hmm. on imdb you know i always look at trivia um and it said that you know in this movie uh, it's portrayed like he had all these terrible hardships like people beat him and all this and it said that's yeah, not really how his life was <laughs> that his life was pretty good <laughs> that that people recognized that he was smart and that he was treated pretty well um and so that's um i mean obviously this isn't uh a, a review about uh, the elephant man i mean the person it's about the right. movie um but yeah the fact that the, that it was done in black and white i didn't know this until many many years later that this is directed by david lynch um which is such a crazy thing because this is not a david lynch type movie you know when people think of david lynch they think of you know twin peaks and blue velvet and all these weird movies and this is kind of a mainstream movie uh so it's it's a very strange uh it's not a David Lynch type movie um, that that I would think about. Um, one of the things I remember, I mean, that I would say the most, I mean, there, there's two scenes in this movie that if someone says the elephant man, I'm going to think of two scenes always. The first one is when the crowd of people are chasing him and he's cornered. And then he gives that little speech where he says, I am not an animal. Right. I am a human being. And that one is like a punch in the gut, you know, um, like that one gets me, but of course the ending of the movie. And by the way, uh, if you haven't seen these movies from 1980, uh, we're going to spoil them all. I'm sure we're not going to hold back any punches. <laughs> you know, uh, it's been uh, 43 years. You should have seen it by now. Uh, but at the end of the movie, one of the things, you know, the elephant man, uh, John Merrick, all he really wants is to be treated like a normal person. He wants to be a regular person. And one of the things he can't do is sleep in a normal prone position because uh, of his disfigurement, it's going to cut off his airways. And at the end, he basically lays down knowing that it's going to end his life. And I'm going to tell you what, this is probably one of uh, two or three movies that I can think of that will have me bawling like a baby at the end of the, and it's, and it's, I know it's coming, 
<laughs> it's not a surprise. I know he dies at the end. He dies at the end every time, but it gets me. I mean, it gets me really bad, like mm -hmm. sobbing bad. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, but it was like his time after, you know, getting the acknowledgement that he was intelligent. And, and again, based on the movie, you know, he gets to go to, the, to dinner, I think, at, at uh, the doctor's house and meets his wife. And he's just treated, like you said, he's treated like a human. And he knows what's going to happen, you know, mm -hmm. at, at the end. There's one thing. So when I re remember watching the movie, um, I... It, it, I believe I did not rewatch it for this, but I believe it kind of starts out where either you hear elephants or you see elephants travel. And I think, yeah. and, and then is, is there like a womb shot, like a shot of, of, of a baby in a womb? So I went for years thinking that he was actually like his mother was trampled and that's why he was like this. Until I was later, you know, later on when I watched it and then I watched a documentary, I believe on HBO, that it was like, no, it, they just called me. So they just put that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But he actually had, um, you know, he was born this way and not yeah, <laughs> not a right, result of right. the trampling. But for a year, for a long time, I thought that as a kid. Well, I think that that's that was like, um, I think that's supposed to be, and I don't remember if this is from the movie or maybe real life as well, but... Where, you know, when you're in the sideshow thing and they would say, like, you know, this is the elephant man. He, his mother was trampled by an, you know what I mean? So it yeah. was like the myth okay. behind what had caused it. Um, and I, I did look this up today. Uh, John Merrick in real life was born in 1862 and died in 1890. So he died at the age of 28. Um it, which is funny because it's almost, I mean, during that, that period, that would be exactly a hundred years, um, you know, before this was made in 1980. I mean, you know, he would have been alive in 1880. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, being in black and white, it sets, it's just such a memorable film and it's such a, it's one of those things where it makes you like when you, after you're done watching it, you want to walk out and you want to go like, Jeez, I want to go be nice to somebody today. <laughs> like you just want to be more empathetic human being after watching it. But um, I'm not sure that as uh, let's see, this is 1980, 81 uh, when we probably saw it on HBO. But 1980 film. Uh, so you're born in 74, so you would have been six. I would have been seven. I'm not sure the target audience for this was young children, but yet there we were on HBO sitting at home watching these Right. Movies. Well, so I'm just going to say, as I'm looking at our list of movies, I think there's maybe two on here that might have been age appropriate, maybe just one. Or, <laughs> then again, I don't know, man. But that was, again, that we were. it's like we were raised on HBO. We were, you know, latchkey kids, and you just kind of watched whatever. And, and so... It, it's definitely different than how I think we've raised our kids. Our generation has raised, raised our kids, um, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I think you're you're right, and that's why I said as a young kid, you know, it, it you know the the way he looked and the way they presented him, it was it was scary to a kid. But I continued to watch it, and then again got got emotional about it. I remember as a kid because it was sad. You know, it was like, man, why are they? you know, doing this. And, and so, yeah, but it's a movie I, I reference a lot to my wife and she's never seen it. I don't 
think she'll ever watch it just because I probably talked about it so many times. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, uh, there's a lot of times to do it at night. Like I have acid reflux <laughs> and, and if I eat too late at night, I'll tell her I got to sleep like the elephant man tonight because I can't lay down straight or I'll wake up with acid and choking and shit stuff. So She's definitely heard the the name the you elephant. You put the man. pillows up and you're like, yes. "Hey, I am not an animal." No, I don't give <laughs> the spe- I don't give the speech, but I'm just speech. like, if I have a, if I'm like snacking too late or if, or whatever it might be, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna sleep like the elephant man tonight. Well, I'm gonna drop you one final fact, and then we're gonna move on to the yes. next movie. Okay. After I had already seen this on HBO, we watched this in school. Really? Third grade. Yes, they brought in the VCR. I remember very well, and we watched it because I remember telling the teacher, I was like, oh, this is, I cry at the end of this movie every time. It's a very sad movie. And I think now, you know, when, when people say, like, uh, you know, there's all these memes about how Gen X kids were tougher than, um, uh, millennial kids and stuff like that. Yeah, it's because they used to show us the elephant man at school. <laughs> how, <laughs> we old were, how old were you? What did you say? Third grade. I mean, a ten. Oh, no, eighty-three. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not happening no. these days. Not we didn't least. get no Pixar movies at our school. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, all right. That's uh. That's we'll move on. We're we're done with the elephant man there, but let's move on to uh, one of your picks. Hey, you know what we should do at the end of this? It's it's uh. We should say whether we recommend it or not. Whether whether it's worth going back and saying it. I'll just say for Elephant Man, thumbs oh, up. Yeah, definitely yeah. a classic. Thumbs up, definitely uh, recommend it. But you know, maybe not watch it with your kids at this if they're real young. No, if they're in third grade, you might want to skip yeah, it now. So the next movie, so I the first movie I put on my list here um, was uh, definitely one that is a, a recommend, and this is one that I did not see on HBO. I went to the movies to go see this, and this was Flash Gordon. 1980 now flash gordon uh was a huge movie uh in my world it was i feel like it was it was pitched uh at the time i mean it was definitely uh star wars you know there were scenes in it that reminded you of star wars and you and star wars is big so you go hey well flash gordon's gonna be big um i think most people know that george lucas wanted to make flash gordon and he couldn't get the rights to it uh someone else had the rights and so that's why he went and wrote star wars he really wanted to make flash gordon first so um flash gordon is this um goofy movie there's there's not a lot of it based in reality because uh you know it's based on a comic strip uh but you got flash gordon he's a quarterback of the New York Jets, which I always thought was funny. Uh, you got the bad guy, Ming the Merciless. You know, now I was not a comic book kid, so I didn't know who these people were. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, it was just a super kind of fun movie. You know, it's very comic book like. Like you know, there's a the the guy and the girl. They're on a plane, and then all of a sudden they meet a mad scientist, and he's like. Well, somebody's going to blow up the earth, but I got this rocket ship and I'm, and I'm taking everybody, you know, it's almost like a, a three stooges plot, you right, know, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. it's silly, um, but they go and of course they go to um, uh, the planet Mongo, which is a silly name for a planet, Mo- Ming the Merciless from Mongo. Um, so, you know, it's all this comic book uh, kind of stuff, but I will say um, 
there were some things in this that were scary uh, as a kid. You know, there's the scene where... Um, oh, maybe a guy with a metal face? Guy with a metal face? I mean, that's not good. Um, there's the scene where they're like... The original Destro. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're doing the thing where they're trying to test their bravery, and they're sticking their hand into that... Oh, that the, like the log. log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Oh that. God, it terrified me. You know, I wouldn't stick my hand under a rock for five years because I was afraid some monster is gonna bite me. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, what? And then there was some like there's some kind of weird sexual stuff. So like some overtones, you know, some weird. So it's kind of all over the place. I got some other stuff to say, but but did you see this back in the day? What did you think of Flash Gordon? I did, and I and I honestly can't remember if if I saw. I think I feel like I saw it in the theaters because I, my mother did take us to see a lot of movies as a kid. I mean, she she was pretty good about that, and I I think I did, but I I don't know for sure. But I definitely watched it on HBO, and uh, it kind of became like. I mean, HBO, like, I, I remember I would be playing Legos or Lincoln Logs or whatever I was doing, and, like, the TV would just kind of be on, you know? And mm-hmm. so, like, I remember this movie being on a lot. It's funny because I, too, was not familiar with, you know, Flash Gordon in the comics. Um, you know, even, like, old-time radio shows. I love old-time radio shows, but, like, I'm not into, like, the, the spacey ones and stuff. Right, right. Um, but, uh, no, I, I remember watching it you know multiple times as a kid and and like i said i i uh was it Cletus or cletus <laughs> or was that cletus they're not down in uh hazard county oh, but the guy with the yeah. the metal face was mm-hmm. uh was creepy and i think I, if i remember correctly there was like a a battle scene at the end and and the table like moves or something and like spikes yes. come up and that's how yes. he gets it right he's like the spike goes through his yeah he falls on there and it goes through there and his eye I'm comes out or something Yes. Yeah. Well, there's okay. another scene. They got those robot. They, it was like kind of a ripoff. I thought of Lobot, um, <clears throat> where they've got the guys. They look human, but they've got the glasses. Yep. Over their eyes, and he rips the glasses off, and then you see that there's like wires in his head and, and stuff. Does it, and does it just, kind of make like a noise, like like the not music, it kind of like screeches or something? Yes. All right. And oh, I. I I had I do remember this very specifically. I had a nightmare like after seeing Flash Gordon that I was wearing sunglasses and I took the sunglasses off and my face came off and I was like, oh no. Of course you did. Um <laughs> one of the things that I, I remember that would stand out and I and I know I've even done this probably if I was playing sports with somebody or maybe playing like horseshoes and waiting for somebody, I just remember, go, Flash, go, go. Yes. Right. Yes. When they're in the, I think it's in the beginning when he's showing his football skills in, you know, in Ming's uh, presence with all the guards and stuff. I think he doesn't he knock some guards out with like a metal, the metal ball or something. He does, and he's using it like a football. He's throwing yes. it. Now there's a funny thing. There's a lot of history about Flash Gordon, um, <clears throat> and um, the actress that played Dale, mm-hmm. uh, that little cheerleading part where she's cheerleading because Flash is playing football, that was improvised. She just made that up. Uh, oh, wow. She just thought, she's, well, she's, she's so played creative. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out a lot of this movie was improvised. In fact, uh, there's a, a quote, a famous quote about this movie that says, um, this is the world's only 27 million improvised movie. 
Um, so there's a lot of the script that was not written down. The script wasn't really finished when they started shooting. Um, and, um, I, here's the thing that I did not know my entire life until like five years ago, uh, was basically at the very end, uh, of the normal shooting, the guy who played flash Gordon, Sam Jones basically walked off the set and said, see you around. And they had like the pickup shots to do all that. So there's a lot of shots in this movie of flash Gordon that aren't flash Gordon. It's not Sam Jones. They had to get body doubles to do that. And then, you know, they had to go back in and like basically overdub all the audio. Uh-huh. He didn't come back for that. So that is not his voice. No kidding. It's, Overdubbing it's, audio. Hmm. Seems like we, we may hear about that again today. You know what? <laughs> I didn't know that till today when I was reading yeah. the oh, IMDb really? trivia. Yeah, I did. I had no idea. If um if you if you like this movie Flash Gordon there's a great documentary and it's called Life After Flash. It came out in 2017 and it is about the guy that played Flash Gordon and his life today. And a lot of it is like him at Comic-Con <laughs> going in and signing autographs and and like you know he's still basically making money uh off of that film. Uh, you did mention the uh the table there's a big round table that has spikes that randomly come in. There's a big battle scene on that where, um, what's his name? Prince Baron, which as a kid, I always thought, I thought you could be a Baron or you could be a Prince. So I didn't understand why his name was Prince Baron, but it's mm -hmm. B A R I N, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but he and flash are having this battle and the spikes are coming up, but, uh, Everything on that movie was so shoddy and done that um, actually when they built that that platform, it was like just black. And then when they got the cameras there, they were like, it looks terrible. And so they went and got a bunch of silver spray paint and pr painted it silver right there, like right before time to shoot. And so as they're fighting, every time they would fall down and slide, it would get the paint all over them. So they had to constantly like stop filming to clean the paint off of the actors and stuff. It's like wet paint. It's just, it's like as a kid, this, this is what I would say as a kid, you don't really understand good movies from bad movies. Mm -hmm. Like it may be, Oh, this is my favorite movie. Like, or if a movie's bad, you don't understand why, you know what I mean? Like, um, this is like a version of star Wars you would make, if you only had a few bucks and you're like, eh, <laughs> we could make some, some cardboard cutout stuff. And, and instead of blue or, you know, like, Hey, we could do blue screen and all this. Nah, we'll just put some guys on wires and put wings on them and make it, <laughs> we'll pull the wings and make it look like they're flying Hawk people. I mean, there's just no, no budget. Uh, but as a kid, I loved it. And I, I do, I do love the movie. Like every now and then I go back, but but it's definitely one of those movies that um, in my head, the movie's about 20 to 25 minutes long. <laughs> like you go, hey, Flash shows up, they do some fighting, they do some other fighting, and then at the end, there's a big fight, you know? And then when you watch it, you're like, whoa, this movie is long. <laughs> there's a lot of boring parts um, in the middle of this. Um, so anyway, and, and one fact for you because i know how much you love the star wars prequels uh one of the the <laughs> stars of this movie is brian blessed who plays uh prince vulcan he's the head of the hawk people mm -hmm. he's a very loud boisterous uh actor it's over the top i wonder why i like him so much 
Um, but uh, he has a very recognizable voice. And the minute that I heard Ostnass in The Phantom Menace, where he's like, you must be the Gungans or whatever. And I go, that's Prince Vulcan from Flash Gordon. And that, sure enough, he did the voice for Boss Nass in The Phantom Menace. I did not I did not know that, Rob. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, the next time, oh, wait, I won't be watching it again. So. <laughs> But if it's ever on, I'll pay I'll I'll pay attention to that. Um, yeah, you know what? It was a fun movie as a kid. Honestly, would I go back and and watch it now? Probably not. I haven't. Um, I think as a kid, it, it definitely stirred those feelings. That uh, <laughs> probably a little too young, but man, Ming's daughter, uh, <sighs> she's getting all kind of. Touchy feely I mean, with what Flash. a weird thing for a comic book movie, and then you go. By the way, there's going to be a weird sex triangle well, kind of and not <laughs> love like, triangle going on. Well, yeah, it's like Ming's daughter wants Flash, and then F- Ming wants uh, Dale to be like is basically like his sex slave, right? I mean, I mean, you've got Ming the Merciless, who's got this weird ring that's like makes Dale like writhing in ecstasy. It's just so weird. Like it's very it gives you confusing feelings as a young child. You know what? I might watch it again later. <laughs> just late at night by yourself. Yeah. So okay, so you know, Alpha Man I I said, yeah, this one I mean it's really hard to say I don't recommend anyone to watch these, but I'm gonna say it like this time. I I'm not gonna watch it again. I would say uh, for me, um, I mean, it's a hard sell. To, if you haven't seen it, I would say, sure, watch it. But if you have seen it, you know. You know, you know what the one. criteria should be? Whether or not we would try to convince our wives to watch it. Oh. Elephant Man, I'm still going to try to get my wife to watch it. Flash Gordon, I know she's seen it, but if she hadn't, I wouldn't try to get her to watch it. No, my wife would never watch Flash Gordon. But... Uh, I, w- I will say this as a kid, like I never, I think flash Gordon was the first movie I ever saw where I wanted the soundtrack that queen. Yeah. Bum, 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 flash. Psh, ah, that's so cool. Yeah. I just, uh, um, like that. I don't remember any movies before that. Uh, what, you know, wanting, wanting to have that. I'm, and, I'm pretty um, sure I had a, a flash Gordon board game that was based off of this movie like the image like ming was the oh my gosh now my phone's going off um that was based off of ming uh from the movie the image oh i yeah i I never had that but that would be super cool to play it's funny because uh you get into weird stuff with with movies that are based on comics because you say oh well i want to make a movie you know make a if you make a video game based on Flash Gordon, you got to get rights from the movie people. You got to get rights from the comic book people. You got to, you know what I mean. You'd have to get right. Queen's rights to do the the music. So it gets complicated on, on stuff like that. Yeah, well, that, I think that's we're gonna move on from that and uh, go with my next pick, which is a movie that I absolutely loved. And I will tell you right now, I've tried to convince my wife time and time again, and she flat out refuses to ever watch this movie and not only that but this is actually a throwback reviews episode number six the early days my bodyguard absolutely oh. love this movie um <laughs> i just love the man chris Makepeace. I, he's not in a lot of stuff 
but pretty much everything I've seen him in, I I enjoy. Uh, he he just I think everyone they pick like Matt Dillon is in this right, and it's back when Matt Dillon, you know, I don't know when The Outsiders was, maybe it was after this, but he had that just that bad boy persona to him, right? And uh, he he definitely fits this part so well. Adam Baldwin is perfect in this role the way they I don't know if he was a little bit older than everybody but wanted him to just seem their age but bigger mm-hmm. but you know you have this this movie where this this kid moves to a new school which I could relate to a few years later when my parents were divorced you know you're going to this new school you don't know anybody and now you're subject to bullies right they want your money Matt Dillon and all of his little crew and Matt Dillon's kind of like the head dude of all the bully kids and um, you know they want to extort money from him for protection and they want to protect him from this other kid Linderman who's he keeps to himself he's got some 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 haunting past right where the rumors have flown around that that uh, uh, he killed his younger well that he killed some people and killed his younger brother Uh, we find out later um, you know, Chris Chris Makepeace's character Clifford kind of approaches Linderman for protection, right? And he doesn't want to do it, but they they kind of become friends, and 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 he does kind of help him out in a really good scene where they, you know, I love it. Like Matt Dillon is in a diner or something, and Clifford goes there and torments him and squirts ketchup and mustard all over him, and they chase him out. He chases him to the alley, and boom, there's Linderman, and. uh you know, it escalates from there because now Matt Dillon is like, well, I got to get somebody to be my guy. You know what I mean? So he ends up getting like this older dude, which I always thought was kind of weird, but it's the 80s. So a lot of <laughs> a lot of crap happened right. that wasn't appropriate. Right. Um, <laughs> and so the tables are kind of turned on him and there's just a lot going on. Uh, you know, Linderman kind of does confess to 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 Clifford like, well, I didn't kill him, but. Well, he, actually, he did <laughs> accidentally. They were yeah. like playing around, and the gun yeah. went off. But he lied and said he found him and this and that. But it's a, it's another, um, it's a very touching movie. It really is. It's another movie that gets me emotional. I absolutely love this movie. Um, this was in it definitely HBO for me. I did not see this in the theaters, but I've seen it multiple times after, and um, really enjoyed this one. How about you? Uh, definitely an HBO watch for me. I watch this a lot. Um, I would say between this movie and The Karate Kid, those are the two movies that made me lay awake at night being afraid of going to middle school or high school. Because uh, in in My Bodyguard, um, I think both of them have scenes where people go into the bathroom and then they get a call because the bathroom's a dead end, man. There's one way in, one way out. Once yeah. you get in and the bully gets you there, that's it, you know? So, um, I mean, I remember thinking, like, I'm just going to have to, you know, go to the bathroom before I go to school and hold it for eight or nine hours and then come home because I'm not going to get beat up in a bathroom, you know? Um, it, it's definitely – so I was just afraid. Like, Matt Dillon uh, – I mean, I remember it's, – it's funny. When you watch a movie – and the characters, you remember them as being whatever age they are uh, in in relation to how old you were mm-hmm. when you saw the movie. Because I remember Matt Dillon seeming like an adult, you know, like when you watch, it's like a grown-up bully guy running a, a, a group of, of uh, you know, like a terrorist gang. 
have kids. He's got this whole thing. Um, and now when I watch it, I go, I would not be afraid. I mean, I probably still would be afraid of that, <laughs> that Matt Dillon, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm still afraid of him, even though, you know, in reality, he would, he would be a little kid. Um, the one thing that I remember about this movie, uh, that's funny. Cause I, 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 I'm like you, I revisit this movie every now and then. It's such a good movie. Um, is that for the protection he offers, uh, his bodyguard 50 cents a day and i always think what a great deal that is like oh i would gosh. like right now like what could you get for 50 cents a day you know i we go to a restaurant they want 50 cents for extra condiments you know <laughs> i'm like i would totally like right now if i could just get a bodyguard guy to hang around me and stand behind me for 50 cents a day like i would totally i don't even need a bodyguard um but uh, i always i always thought what a good deal he got i'm sure Price uh, prices must have been different, you know, in the nineteen eighty. Yeah, um, there, there's some, there's some, uh, like I said, there's like some touching parts in this where you know you can kind of see that Clifford and Linderman are kind of becoming friends, right? Like, because Linderman really kind of keeps everyone at bay. I mean, he he had some horrible stuff happen to him, and he knows that everyone's talking about him. But like, you know, they fix his motorcycle. And I think there's like a little montage of them going to different places trying to find the parts and they fix it. And then they're like, there's a, there's a part where like they're riding together, right? You know, on the motorcycle, they're both like having a ball, just having so much fun, you know? But then when, like later in the movie, when the tables get turned and uh, Matt Dillon brings his bodyguard, Mike, the like boxer, whatever he is, like older guy, and he kind of works him over, it, it, it just was like, Again, it's just like feeling sorry for him. You know what I mean? Like you just felt sorry yeah. for Linderman all just all over the movie. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a good story of, you know, friendship and and, uh, you know, standing up. But although he didn't really stand up, Linderman had to do it. But I mean, he ends up <laughs> Clifford ends up, you know, breaking Matt Dillon's nose. And that's one of the things like I one of the lines. It's like these movies, a lot of them, you have these lines that stand in your head. And, and it was like when he, he's like, you, you broke my nose. You know, he's like sitting there and um, I, I always like that part. But plus, I just I love that like underdog getting them. You know what I mean? And I hated those. Yeah. Like, I hate guys like that. I remember guys in school like Matt Dillon that were just just jerks, you know, and try to be It's like once those guys got your number, then it was every day. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were equal opportunity bullies. It's like once they found you, they were just going to keep at it, keep at it, because now they got you, and now you got to stand up to them or, or live with it or hire a bodyguard. Those are your, your three yeah. options. I mean, luckily, I didn't, I didn't really have to deal with. I never had like that situation really, but I do remember guys like that who were just overall to everyone just kind of just jerks. You know what I mean? And. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, man. But this movie is definitely one that I would recommend to watch. It's two thumbs up. Yeah, I I think it stands the test of time of just that whole high school and just kids being jerks kind of thing. And and it's got a great '80s feel because you know it's 1980, but it's it's a great movie. No, it's funny that you mentioned that um, because uh, it it does have an '80s feel, but uh, but one of the things that a lot of people, I mean, people forget is that it wasn't like the 70s ended on New Year's Eve 1979 and the 80s. Be, well, I mean, technically it did, I suppose. But, but you know, there's always that little overlap. Like a lot of these movies mm-hmm. in the early 80s, they still kind of have a little bit of a 70s 
feel, you know what I mean? It's always, it always takes a couple of years. It seems like for things. So it's kind of a, it's kind of seventies, kind of eighties. Um, I mean, I, I don't remember the last time I watched this. It's been a few years, but I do remember thinking like this would not happen today. Like the first time some kid, if my kid came home from school is like, Hey, a guy pulled a switchblade on me and punched me and put me in the toilet. The police would be involved. <laughs> there wouldn't be any, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, yeah. Well, his um, dad was like real busy. Like he kind of like hung with his grandmother too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who is the, who uh, was in, uh, what is it? Harold and Maude. Harold I, I, I forget yeah. her name. I think she was, wasn't she in one of the, uh, um, Clint Eastwood, like every which way but loose, or something. One of those movies. Oh, maybe. I, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, um, I, I can't remember her name, uh, but she's very. You, I mean, you just got to hear her voice. She's she's this little old lady, but she always seemed to be like this little lady. Uh, Ruth Gordon is her name, hmm. and uh, she's just a sweet character in most of the movies she plays. <laughs> but uh, I mean, speaking of like that transitioning time, and like some of those movies still had that seventies feel. I think I think your next pick is uh, uh, this. That's exactly what I thought when I was watching it this week. Was man, this really feels seventies, not eighties to me. So. Uh, this is uh, 100% an HBO movie, and this is the one I was referring to at the top of the show. If you look under the trivia, it says the only reason that this movie reached American audiences was because of HBO. This is a HBO movie. Uh, but this movie is called Super Fuzz. Now, if you say the name of the movie, some people uh, might remember it, but a lot of people don't remember huh? uh, this movie. <laughs> and I, I think you said you, you hadn't heard of it or hadn't, hadn't seen it. I had no idea what movie you um, were talking This is about. one, I mean, I feel like HBO used this as filler. Like this movie seemed to be on like, you know, multiple times a day. Um, but it's the story is this goofy, um, police officer. His name is David speed. It says officer David speed, but I don't even remember that many people calling him by his name. In the movie. I think that uh, I, I, they call them speed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of, cause I, I think, um, uh, for some of the, the cops, they call each other by the last name, but this guy's a, a an officer. And, and the gist of the movie is that, um, through a mistake of his own, I think he fires a, a gun up into the sky while they're testing a nuclear missile and he blows up the missile on accident or something. And he gets covered in radiation dust, but it's red. And so it gives him superpowers, but his superpowers stop working whenever he sees the color red. So that is basically the setup for the whole movie. Um, and, I just rewatched this this week because I knew we were going to do this. I haven't watched it in a while. And there's so many. So, so again, that's that's the take is that, you know, he could do all these things. He can fall out of a building and he's unhurt. Uh, he can, you know, run really fast. He can make people disappear. It's more than more than Superman. It's not just that he's like super strong or whatever. It's like he has he's invincible. weird. Yeah. And magical powers like, I mean, he's he's in a. um uh, a sports stadium, a football stadium with 50,000 people. <laughs> and then his girlfriend's like, I wish we were alone. And he goes, okay. And then everybody disappears. But then of course he sees one guy wearing a red shirt and he's like, I, 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 and then the, and then the power breaks, you know, but when I rewatch this, 
of course you realize that in every scene there's something that's red. You know, there's a, a scene where he's floating up near the ceiling uh, and and he's reading a comic book. And they come in and they're like, I guess he's not home. And he's like, I'm up here floating near the ceiling. Well, he's reading a Superman comic book. Superman's red and blue. I mean, he would obviously be seeing something that's red right there. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, so there was a lot of times where I thought, well, that, they, they didn't... Uh, I guess it wasn't accuracy was not that important. Um, but yeah, he sees like traffic stops before they happen. He goes, Oh, you better watch out for that car. And then his, his Sergeant is, um, uh, Ernest Borgnine. Mm -hmm. And so Ernest Borgnine is like, what car? I don't see any car. And, and then the car comes out of nowhere and he's like, how did you know that? You know, um, this is one of those movies that's not to be taken very seriously because there's that thing like for half the movie uh officer speed is like i'm trying to tell them that i have superpowers but they just won't listen well i mean all you have to do is walk into a a, a room and and they're like oh they're not listening and he could snap his finger and their ears would fall off or something like i mean you could you could pretty much show somebody that you have superpowers but he's like having trouble convincing people that he has superpowers, which is, is really a strange thing. And then uh, as the movie goes on, he gets framed for murder, which is ridiculous. And then they keep trying to execute him, but they can't because he has superpowers. Um, and, and the uh, bad guys know his weakness. And so they're trying to like deliver red flowers that he'll see <laughs> during the execution. So he won't have, um, won't have his superpowers but um i mean there's a million loopholes in it and it's a goofy movie but i would say this i probably saw this movie at least a thousand times <laughs> on hbo i saw it every day it seems like and if you you remember the movie you know i mean you always are like the, th the two things i would remember is number one there's a guy that loses his superpowers when he sees red because they always zoom in on the red they make sure you know that and the other thing is that stupid theme song? Super, 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 really super, super. I mean, how is it that I saw this movie when I was eight and I still know that song? See, I you know, thought they were um, saying uh, uh, super, super snooper because I, I think, think they say it all. Yeah, because I think it's that like, was I think that was one of the names. Uh, yes, originally snooper, was like, and there's trooper super. and super, super, super. I mean, there's all every only so many words rhyme with super, so they got them all in there. Yeah. So this week when we were talking about this and kind of sharing what we were bringing, um, I'm like, I, dude, I, I don't know what you're even talking about when I read it. <laughs> so so then I went and, you know, obviously I Googled it and I watched the trailer and I'm like, OK, I think think i've seen this actually now before it seems very familiar so i watched it this week you know i'd be cleaning you know clean kitchen or i watched it at work a little bit in parts um i think i saw this thing on hbo probably a hundred times because it, it, <laughs> so it's it's to me it's like it's just a bunch of different little skits the whole movie i mean there's the over you know the overall picture is like you know he's trying to bust uh tony torpedo who's who's been uh who, who's counterfeiting and how are they doing it and you know he almost cracks the case early on but of course when they open the truck you know because it's it's, it's red he, he he can't think to be like oh well it's oh well Sarge, it's in the fish because you know you can't think that without your superpowers but 
Um, just so many it's just things. It's weird that he knew it from outside the truck. Right. How that's, he knew that they that's were what I'm Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like, it's uh, just so many little skits that happen. But every skit, I'm going, oh my gosh, I remember this. And then it started to get to where I was like predicting how the, the scene was going to play out. And I totally remembered. Um, to uh, I think I told you today, like when Ernest Borgnine is on this inf- big piece of bubble gum. That that uh, <laughs> that speed blows up to save him because because he gets trapped underneath a ship that uh, torpedo uh, purposely sank to to kill him, and he licks it and he's like, it tastes like chewing gum, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw this movie so many times, I just it it was like out of my my memory, but it's it was tucked away somewhere. I had so much fun watching this movie. And oh, good. to be honest, when when I watched the trailer the other night when I read it, I was like, oh, God, Rob, really? What is this thing? This I, I've never heard of this. This, <laughs> this looks awful. And I had so much fun watching it. It was so. And then you and I had talked and you're, you know, and then I even read it on the IMDb. It was like, you know, this was made by an Italian director and it was made parts in Italy. Part of it was made in Spain. Part of it was made here in America in Miami. And. Like Ernest Borgnine is Ernest Borgnine talking, but like Speed looks like he's dubbed, but right. he's dubbed with like an Italian with a real heavy accent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So I, 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 it was it was a little off putting at first, but then it just became such part. Like it, it became another character. Just those things. Um, in in the movie of of watching how they interacted, but there, there's a, there's a list of like goofs in the movie, right? Like I just talked about the bubble gum, right? It's it's obviously fake, anyways, but you can tell they didn't hide the fact that it's an air balloon that you can, <laughs> that you can see yeah. the cord that was on the bottom of it as they're floating into the atmosphere, <laughs> so it doesn't fly away. And um, and one that I noticed that wasn't on IMDb was there's a there's a scene where they're uh, the, you know. Uh, Sergeant, actually, it's Officer Dunlop. He got demoted, and and Speed are getting coffee at one of those little, you know, those trucks that'll pull up to, you know, construction sites, and they have mm-hmm. sandwiches. And uh, he, like you said, he not only does he have like superpowers, but he's got like magical powers. He kind of like makes the like uses the force kind of to bring the cup <laughs> of coffee to him. Right. And when he grabs it, you see like a like a piece of monofilament string drop. And I, I had to watch it. Oh. I'm like, I watched it like three times. Like, yep, I did see that. And so I'm sure there's a ton. I didn't even mo- notice that. Yeah, it was, it was. I was just like, oh my gosh, they they were not really trying hard. This is kind of going back to your Flash Gordon Star Wars kind of thing. You know, it's uh, they weren't really, they weren't being real picky about it. But it's a spoof yeah. movie. It's a buddy cop movie. It's uh, you know, Laurel and Hardy. It's the Skipper and Gilligan. It's it's the Three Stooges all together for me and i loved it it was so much fun watching this movie (laughs) i'm glad that you liked it absolutely no way i'll get my wife to ever watch it but i would recommend anybody listening here for two reasons one it's fun it it was just it's look it's dumb it's really dumb it's really bad but (laughs) but it's 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 fun um but also because i could almost guarantee that anybody listening to this that had hbo as a kid that's going i don't remember it watch it i I can almost guarantee you're going to be like, oh, my God, I did watch this movie. Yeah. My, my dad used to call. There was a few movies like this, and he would call them HBO filler. 
and it would be like, you know, they'd have a big movie, you know, at, at five o'clock and a big movie at nine o'clock. But in between there, they got to put something to keep it going, you know, so they'd throw movies like this in there. So that's, um, like I said, that's, uh, my memory of it, you know, just watching it. And, um, yeah, I, it, it's a fun movie. I liked it. My wife would never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, you, what are you gonna do? I but think I, liked it. I think we need to rename the, the podcast to the HBO Throwback Reviews. <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of these, yeah. I mean, if we down. got a nickel every time uh, we be we you know we said HBO saw on HBO, we'd be making more money than. Gotta get Linderman HBO did. on a sponsor. <laughs> so your next movie is it something that you saw on HBO or is it something you saw in a theater? No, so this was a theater movie. I remember going with my brother and my mother, and. Uh, this is called The Private Eyes. And again, this is another. This was the actual first episode of Throwback Reviews back in, I don't even know when I started that pod, this podcast. Uh, it was a long time ago. Pre-Flack. Yeah, pre-Flack. Flack was not, Rob was not a but host. But I will tell you, it was the first episode I ever listened to the podcast. And I remember thinking right away, I thought, if, there, if there's somebody that likes this movie, then we could be friends. Well... <laughs> This is actually uh, because of this movie is how we started, I think, interacting a little bit, possibly. Um, just to jump forward, there is a character that's that. Um, well, so the movie, basically, I'll get into that because it, it makes an appearance at the end of the movie. But uh, you have two detectives from the U.S. You got Tim Conway and Don Knotts, you know, Inspector Winship and, and uh, Dr. Tart. And they have been called from Scotland Yard to, to figure out a murder. But I believe the, the, uh, they get a letter from, from the Lord Morley actually. And this is the Morley manor to, to solve the, the, the mystery of his murder. Um, they go there and they meet the staff and the staff is, you know, real harsh. Um, I love Justin, the Butler, because he gets real mad and, and <laughs> really enraged. And, <laughs> and the nanny, um, she kind of like keeps him in check very violently, you know, hitting him and stuff like that. But I love, but it, it kind of reminds me of clue where you have all these different types of characters in the movie, right? Mm, yeah. Basically of the staff. But, uh, so these, these two, um, really don't seem, I mean, when it, the whole plot of the movie is there's, they have to figure out who murdered the Morleys. Um, and there's their, I believe it's their niece or is it their daughter that, that is basically who, who's inheriting everything. Um, Phyllis and she is, yeah. mm -hmm. I thought it was the daughter, but maybe it's the daughter. I, I don't, remember. I don't and, remember. And so that's who they're kind of dealing with. And basically throughout the movie, it's this mansion. People are getting killed, you know, kind of like, again, like clue, like people are just getting killed here and there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, but there's like this shadowy person that will come in and out of the movie and help them or do this or that. And, uh, really the, the thing in the movie is at the end, we find out that the Lord Morley isn't dead. The wife is dead, but cause something happened with the car, I think it was, and he was able to escape. And so he wanted to figure out who murdered, uh, the, you know, tried to murder him, but murdered the wife. And so the staff is not being killed. They're all in on this. And, uh, you know, it ends up being that it was Phyllis. She's the one who did it. She wants to inherit everything. 
But to me, it's I'm thinking if it's it's that funny kind of movie where you got these two you know detectives, but they're like bumbling idiots, kind of right? It's Don Knotts and Tim Conway. Love them and everything. But if you're really trying to solve a mystery, are you going to have these two guys come over? So that's kind of the the humor of it. But throughout the movie, uh, Tim Conway's character is always, you know, he's not always, but he talks about this beast called a wookalar. And uh, <laughs> which is, a, you know, at the end of the movie, when Lord Morley comes out and they figure everything out, he wants to give them a gift. And it's a I think it's a, a tomb or a certain uh, what is it called? A. Uh, um, I'm like I can't say it right, but it's like a tomb, and inside of it is they're driving, and they're talking about the Wookalar sits up, and it's a Wookalar, and you see the car on it going nuts. Um, yes, yes. So when I first did this podcast and I started it, and I'm trying to do the thing where you try to be interactive online so people will see it, you know. And I remember I posted a picture <laughs> on Twitter. And saying, uh, so I don't know if it was either, you know, this is from our first episode. Uh, can you guess what this is or whatever? And I <laughs> I think I got a private message from you and you're like, um, you know, next time you do that, you should probably uh, rename the image. Because I just went online and got a picture of the Wuga, and <laughs> And I didn't realize that when I did it, it said, <laughs> you know, privatizedwookalar.jpg. So that's that's ever since then. Regardless of what I'm downloading an image for, but usually a podcast and, and for the album artwork, I always rename and just randomly type keys and then, okay. Like, I was like, I'll never do that again. I mean, you're really cool about it, but that's kind of how we, I think that's how we first started interacting. And then I, you know, you know, our love relationship just blossomed from there. Our bromance. Well, I certainly, I would have known it was a Wuglar either way. Yeah, because, I know, but. Uh, I watched this a million times as a kid. I love this movie. There's so many stupid things. I mean, you got Tim Conway, uh, who's always trying to um, uh, get a message back to Scotland Yard with pigeons. <laughs> Something's always happening with the pigeons. And then they've got that, like, he invented different things. He invented a gun that fires once an hour. <laughs> No, it's just so stupid. And the, and the um, pigeons that he's always trying to send messages back to uh, Scotland Yard with the pigeon, right? And doesn't he shoot right. one or something on accident? Yeah, with the with the gun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's all kinds of just uh, silliness, you know. And like you said, these are not the two guys you want to bring in to to solve a a murder, a serious crime. Uh, I did read in the IMDb trivia that there was uh, a planned sequel to this movie. And it was going to be about them chasing and tracking down to find a Wookalar. <laughs> that was going to be the plot. And that this movie did so bad in theaters that uh, there was no sequel. And that was the end of it. But Plus, the Wookalar uh, found them anyways. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to. It would have been a short movie. It. it was already there. Um, I remember as a kid uh watching the apple dumpling gang mm -hmm. that had uh dom knots uh don knots and, and tim conway i know i think i read that they were in five or six movies together but so i didn't recognize yeah, there's a like lot the, of the apple titles. dumpling gang rides again or something yeah but those are the ones that i did know and so that it's funny because in a lot of comedy you've always got the straight man and then you've got the other guy you know but they kind of switch roles back and forth i mean a lot of you know this one's being silly and the other guy's being serious. I mean, Don Knotts is more serious, but, but then, you know, then except for when he's not, you know what I mean? So they kind of, 
they kind of trade back and forth. Like he thinks he's in charge, but um, but you know they just they just never really figure out what's going on. But this is such a uh, just a fun fun movie. Um, I don't I don't know why it's not more popular. To be honest with you, I love this movie. Yeah, I mean, I I, I had such a good time see, going to the movies with my mom, seeing this, and we would we would you know throw around like oh don't go in there's a wookalar or something my mom would say that joking around so <laughs> it, it kind of has that sentimental value of going uh to the movies with it and and again just like flash gordon um you know you got the hot maid you know i think sam conway oh, yeah. or one of them puts a card or she puts it in between in her you know as a young kid i was just like huh Okay. Right. And it makes a little sound effect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So definitely a fun movie. I would say give it a watch. I'm sure there's a lot of people who've seen it and, and probably haven't seen it in a long time. Um, unless you've been listening to this show for a few years and maybe you went back when we reviewed it in the beginning. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a fun movie. So many familiar faces with this, right? I mean, um, the I think it was The Gardener. Um, uh, was it John? Uh, I'm looking at John uh, Fujioka. He's, oh yeah, he's one of them guys that you, that you'll remember seeing in, in different movies. Um, like I said, the Butler. I mean, you've seen him and stuff. A lot of a lot of familiar faces. So, but it, it's just a fun movie. It it, it really is. And I mean, I saw it as a kid. It didn't scare me. The Wookalar didn't scare me. I thought the mansion no. was cool and all the the different secret things. And you know, he's on the table with those the, like the the knives or whatever coming down. And uh, that's when the shadow person has to save him. So I, I recommend giving it a watch. I think it's a it's a fun one to watch. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's silly. Um, uh, it's it's good. I don't know. That, I I feel like my wife might watch it, but more than that, I feel like my kids might watch it. You know, like just kind of I mean, even if you had younger kids, it's kind of clean fun. Yeah, I I don't I'm trying to think if my kids. So I don't think anybody. I know my wife didn't watch it with me uh, when I I rewatched it years ago for the podcast. But I I, might have gotten one of my kids to watch it. I don't even remember, but they definitely wouldn't now. I mean, they won't watch anything with me. So I, yeah, I get it. I feel you. So uh, the next movie on my list uh, was a movie that was kind of geared towards kids, uh, but it's kind of not for kids. It's kind of not for adults. Part of the problem with it is that it wasn't really for anybody. Uh, I remember kind of like the same vein of Flash Gordon. I remember enjoying this movie, even though it's not a good movie. Uh, and so this movie was Walt Disney's Watcher in the Woods. Now, um, I think you said you you were not familiar with this movie. No, I've I've heard of it, but mm-hmm. never I've never seen it. To this day, I still I still didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I watched the trailer and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna pass on that one. So this is when Walt Disney was was trying to get into more um, live action type movies, right? And so they had different uh, markets, and this movie, I would say, I I would best describe it as like kind of like a goosebumps kind of movie you know what i mean it's like um but but scarier than goosebumps this is a scary movie for little kids and so what this movie is about there's a family and they move to they buy this house and there's an old lady that oversees and everything and the old lady is betty davis and uh and, and there's two young girls and one of the girls betty davis immediately is like is is drawn to there's an older the older sister 
uh, is Jan, the younger daughter, or the younger sister is Ellie. <clears throat> and she's really drawn to Jan, who's a teenager, but she has straight blonde hair. And what we find out is that her daughter years ago named Karen disappeared. And and there's no nobody really knows what happened. But what we find out is that there are people that knew what happened because Karen and her friends basically had some kind of seance. <laughs> and and so uh they had a seance and Karen disappeared. Like they were all holding hands and Karen was in the middle of a circle blindfolded. So I mean this is like a Disney movie about like the occult, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, so it's weird right off the bat. So um, the the older sister that has moved in starts seeing Karen. She starts seeing visions of Karen. Like in the mirror, she sees a girl. It's creepy, dude. She sees a girl, and she's blindfolded, and she's got her hands out. She's like, help me. Oh, it's she even weird. talks? Yes. See, it's and one then, thing to see things, but to hear it, uh, that's no, what makes it real. Because if you're seeing things, you can go, oh, I'm just seeing things. I'm tired. It's it worse. You start hearing things, oh, don't say she's touching her, like grabbing her. No, because the younger daughter starts channeling Karen. Oh, boy. And she's like, like she gets taken over almost like she's possessed. So she'll be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll be like, we must try to find the watcher in the woods. And you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's it's creepy. And so eventually, uh, and, and by the way, uh, the older daughter, she starts seeing like the word Narek written on things. And then they're all like, what does Narek mean? Which I mean, even when you're eight, you're like, that's Karen backwards. <laughs> backwards. Like I can figure that one out. It's not, not a tough, not a tough clue. Um, so anyway, with the older teen, Jan, what she decides to do is she goes and gets all the people that were at the seance who are now like 50 year old people and they're scary and she's like the reason that that karen disappeared was because they did this seance during an eclipse and there's gonna be another eclipse and so she says if we do the same seance then we can bring karen back but then there's this whole weird thing where she's like well there's nobody to sacrifice and uh -huh. jan is like well I'll stand in the middle. It's just kind of like the I, clock tower type of deal here where you got it. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. So she's like, we're going to bring her back. Uh, and so that, that, that becomes the thing, right? That they're going to do this seance, this big buildup. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this movie. <clears throat> I, I've told you the whole setup. It's a supernatural thriller by Disney that's for kids, except for it's scary AF. It's not for children. I mean, this movie is creepy and no children today would watch it, okay? So at the very end of the movie, uh, and this is in the original release, which nobody, none of us remember, but this ending is on YouTube if you want to go watch the original ending. Um, they keep hinting that there's a watcher in the woods, and of course that's supposed to be like Karen's spirit, right? That's still kind of haunting the woods. In the original ending of the movie, in the last five minutes, a stop-motion giant alien appears, and it's like, and it grabs the girl and takes her away to his planet, and he's like, I was the watcher and blah, blah, blah of the woods, but I switched places, and, he, and they take her to the alien. It is so 
Like, how could you watch Private Eyes? And in the last five minutes, then they go, oh, by the way, it was a space alien. Like, you can't introduce that in the last five minutes, right? Um, and I, I pulled out a review. Uh, this is a review uh, from the New York Times. And it said, quote, I challenge even the most indulgent fan to give a coherent translation of what passes for an explanation at the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad that Disney pulled it out of theaters. It had just a small release, and Dis and it was so so bad negative reviews that they pulled the movie out. Uh, and so they said we got to make a new ending. So then they made a second ending, and then the second ending, which is what ended up going back in theaters and uh, on VHS, and I think the Laserdisc. Um, there's there's Alien, there's no alien home planet anymore. But what happens is in the last five minutes, the alien shows up and is like, oh, I got switched. I've been stuck in the woods. I got switched with Karen. And so he gets to go back to his place and Karen comes back and then they take her to go find, um, uh, you know, Bette Midler or not Bette Midler, <laughs> Betty Davis. <laughs> Bette Midler is not in this movie. <clears throat> um, and so that was the ending for a while. And then Disney was like, yeah, this this ending kind of sucks too. So then they made a third ending, which if you, you get it on DVD me? or what's that? Wouldn't they just cut their losses and move on at some point? I mean, no. it's Disney. I guess they got the endless pocketbook, but. You got, I mean, the, the, you can't just leave aliens out there hanging. So, um, so now in the real ending, which is if you get it on DVD or Blu-ray or streaming on Disney or whatever, this is the ending you will see. There's no alien. Alien is go gone. <laughs> hey, now that's a, there's an interesting tie-in here. Um, but so at the end, there's no alien. It's just like this weird shimmering light. And then it wasn't that she went um, exchange places with an alien. It's just that she got pulled to another universe and they're going to bring her back. So it's very weird. Um, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. There was some things where I think there was like an anniversary some Betty Davis anniversary where they were like trying to get it into the theater for a certain date. Um, and so they didn't have the special effects ready. It's, it's weird that they changed it and changed it and changed it. Um, so all that being said, I mean, when I was, this movie terrified me, this movie kept, this is why I like being indoors. I didn't want to go outside cause I didn't want to get zapped into some mirror, get blindfolded, you know, with some weird seance thing. If there's dude, if there's an eclipse, I'm staying inside. Hmm. I'm not going out. I don't want to get zapped into no mirror where I got to write my name backwards. And people are like, Ebor, what's that? I go, oh, it's Robbie. <laughs> He's writing his name on a mirror. Ebor. Yeah, I don't want no part of this movie. It was it was terrifying. Now, the uh, other thing that people and the critics all said is that nobody in this movie knows how to act. Like it's ter it's just not done. Uh, with the the exception, of course, of, of Betty Davis, who's kind of in her later Disney years, kind of phoned some stuff in. But the younger daughter. I thought was the girl from Escape to Witch Mountain and Return from Witch Mountain. Uh, that's how I had it remembered in my head. And so when I went back for this episode and rewatched a little bit of uh, Watcher in the Woods, it's not her, it's her sister. So they look so similar, uh, but they're like four years apart. But I thought for sure 
and it was that girl. That's how I remembered it. But it, it's really not. It's her her sister, which is weird that Disney was also like, hey, we're going to hire your sister for a similar role. I don't know why they just didn't go with uh, a Tia. But, yeah, uh, you you could see if you look back at it, definitely the uh, the resemblance. Yeah, yeah. And she sounds like her, too. You know, I mean, it's uh, um, uh, except for when she's channeling the Watcher in the Woods and and uh, there's so much weird stuff that it's one of those movies you can always tell a sign of a bad movie, um, not a bad movie, but but a um, an unsuccessful movie when there's tons and tons of exposition. You know, I mean, the last two minutes of this is the girl trying to explain. I guess she went into another dimension. But when we did the seance, it's like they got to explain what happened because you're you, it's difficult to follow and right. understand the movie. Right. You know? And also. We're talking about when my wife watched this, no way. Because this is one of those movies that's like the pacing. Like they hadn't figured stuff out. Like this movie, like they're like, I'm going to go in the woods and I hope we don't see the ghost of Karen or whatever. But I mean, it's like a five minute scene of them walking around. The, they don't do that anymore. They don't do that in five minutes. <laughs> now that's a 30 second scene. You know, I mean, you yeah. got to go, go, go. And it's just really slow pace. So I don't know who this movie was for. Maybe it was for nobody, but um, that's kind of who ended up liking it. I've got to tell you, as a child, scary movie, as an adult, if you don't go back and watch it, you're not missing that much. You know, it's funny because um, when I was reading the list, my wife was there. She's like, oh, Watcher in the Woods. And she's like, I've heard of that. It's, I think it's a book too, isn't it? Or, and I go, I, I know nothing about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's a Disney movie now. I don't remember. I don't even know if she said she saw it, but she's like, oh, we could, we should watch it. I'm like, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I just watched the trailer. Uh, yeah, I'll be the sacrificial lamb on this episode for that for that movie. I'm not watching this. I got to watch Super Fuzz. They remade Fuzz. this. They remade it. Uh, and I didn't watch the remake because I don't need to see remakes of movies I liked as a kid. But maybe in the remake, they, they fixed the ending. Yeah, maybe. I won't know because I'm not watching either one of them, but I don't blame you. So, all right, what do we got up next? Okay, so this next one, another movie loaded with people, uh, familiar faces, right? You got Jane Fonda, you got Lily Tomlin, you got Dolly Parton, and you got my favorite actor of the 1980s, Dabney Coleman. I mean, this cast doesn't doesn't get any better than this. Nine to five. A mo- a, another movie that I probably should not have seen. And to be honest, I don't know exactly when I saw it, but I was young. I mean, maybe I saw it in 83 or 82, you know, even then. I mean, you've got, uh, you've, you've got uh, you know, male chauvinist in, in him. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, he's trying to impose his power for uh, sexual favors. You've got drug use. You've got uh, murders or maybe a murder. But it's a fun movie to watch. It's it, you, you know, as much as you like Dabney Coleman, because he's such a good actor. He's such a good character actor, right? Um, he's a jerk. He's a complete jerk. And you're so on the sides of these three women. But a story of the of a boss who rose the ranks. Uh, Lily Tomlin's character Violet gets left behind, and uh, you know she knows what she can do. But it's this is. I mean, even nowadays, I mean, it's it's kind of hits home where it's like, you know, a, a woman maybe isn't taken as serious as a man or the movement, the pay. We, we know all that. Right. And that's what this movie's about. 
Uh, he uses his power for uh, bad things. He's he's making sales behind the scenes. He's skimming money, and they can't stand him. Um, I don't remember if was he was he like telling people that he was sleeping with with uh, Dolly Parton's character, or I know he was hitting on her. Uh, I mean, I know there's, a, yeah, there's a scene where they're like rolling around on the floor and stuff. So. Yeah. And she's like, Mr. Hot. <laughs> um, so basically these three women and, and Jane Fonda's character, Judy is like the new girl in the office. Right. And they all kind of get together and, and they like go out to dinner or something one night or for drinks. And, and they, 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 uh, they're, they're talking about how they would, you know, kill him basically right you, you get these three comical stories you know those little dream sequences uh of how they would do it and you know each one had their own way and and uh, one was gonna hunt i don't remember who was gonna hunt him if it was jane fonda or, or dolly parton's character but i think lily tomlin's character was gonna poison him right and that's what kind of happens uh they go back to the office i think the next day or something and she gets his coffee and accidentally puts i think it was like rat poisoning or something in it right mm -hmm. and yep. uh they think they killed him like it wasn't even the rat poison i think he fall he hits his head and goes to the hospital and it's this whole thing where they think they killed him they gotta try and get him back and and it ends up they steal the wrong body they thought it was him and he's <laughs> he's not dead but he has his own little informant Roz. she's like the kind of uh you know, brown noser for him, and she hears these women talking about it, and it's just a whole thing. They, so he wants to try to basically blackmail. I think Dolly Parton's character for uh, favors, or he's going to go to police. So now they really feel like they got to do something, and they end up kidnapping him. And uh, I love how they had like tied him in a harness uh, to a <laughs> to a garage door opener. I mean, I'm a really handy guy, but man, I, I remember when I did my garage door opener, it was a pain in the butt. So they, they have it in the room so he can't escape. And it's this whole back and forth thing. And, and in the end, he gets what's coming to him, actually probably more than what's coming to him because he goes disappearing in South America. But it's just a fun movie of uh, these women getting... Uh, getting their revenge on a guy who's been, you know, tormenting him and, and just being an, an outright pig. So I'm going to tell you some things. Number wow. one of the eight movies that we uh, each brought tonight, this is the movie that I was the least familiar with. But you've uh, seen I it. Did, I have seen it okay. one time, uh, and it was about maybe 10 years ago. That was the first time I ever saw it. Um, I remember that there was a lot of controversy when I was a kid about Jane Fonda. Uh, and I remember like she had, remember she had protested against yeah. the Vietnam war and, and, um, uh, so there were a lot of people that were not fans of Jane Fonda and my dad was one of those people. Now my dad was not in Vietnam war or anything, but, um, but he just always, he, after that, he did not like her, um, uh, I remember one time, like my, I think my mom had talked about Jane Fonda, like the exercise, like jazzercise or whatever. The Jane or, you know. Fonda workout, Rob. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my dad was like, "Nah, I don't nah, just pick something else," you know. And he was just really against Jane Fonda. So I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like, like we didn't watch this movie maybe because of that. I feel like like he didn't 
you know, watch it or something. I don't feel like um, I even watched this with my parents. <laughs> probably a good idea. Um, so another thing is sometimes you get in your mind what a movie is or what is going to be, especially when you're a kid. And then even though that's not what really the movie's about. So I always thought that this movie was just going to be about these three women trying to work their way up in the office. So I missed it in the eighties and then I never went back to it because I thought, I know what this movie's going to be. It's going to be them trying to get a promotion or this and that, you know? So I didn't know that there was going to be all these crazy hijinks and, and stuff like that. So, um, I, I mean, the short version I would say is when I went back and watched it, I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and, and I'm with you on Dabney Coleman because not only is he Dabney Coleman to me is one of those great actors that, um, you know, he's the male chauvinist in this movie. He's the military guy in war games. You know, the guy that operates the mm -hmm. whopper. And then of course, He's the one and only Jack Flack. Yep, and so, he's, and he's the father in that, and he's a he's like you know a good dad and yes, yes. So he's a, just a like a great character actor. Like whatever character he gets it, you know what I mean. He just he makes you believe that he's that guy, you know. So so yeah, definitely I, I loved him. Uh, I I did know that this is Dolly Parton's first movie, and that um, I would say. For me, as a kid in the '80s, more than this movie, I knew the song Nine to Five." Uh -huh. um, and in fact, um, I, I think I, I saw somewhere that Dolly Parton, like this, became a thing for her, where she said, "I always want to do the theme song to the movies I'm in," because I think she makes a lot of money off the off the songs too, you know. But um, yeah, so I, I enjoy this movie. I don't have that connect, like the kid connection to it. You know what I mean? Um, but I do have the appreciation of it that it's a funny, it's a funny movie. Yeah, I mean, and that's how it is for me. I mean, it was an HBO movie, and I just watched it uh, a few months back. Not like where I sat to watch it, but I'm out in my studio now, and when I'm out here, just doing other things, you know, sometimes I'm soldering some things or or whatever I'm doing. I have a TV, and I'll put stuff on like Pluto TV or whatever, and I don't know what channel it was on. I go, yep. We're going to put that on for the background just because it's I, I thought mm -hmm. it was uh, it's just a fun movie, you know. Um, yeah. Dabney Coleman. He's definitely I think he was in. Um, I think he was in Dustin that Dustin Hoff Tootsie. Right. And I think he played the kind of I think he played a swarmy guy oh. who was trying to get into Dustin Hoffman's uh, dress. And when he was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like uh, and he's got the coolest so mustache, too. I love <laughs> um, I did read that um, this was the second highest grossing movie of 1980. Really? Which I thought I thought was I was really amazed by. But um, yeah, it grossed over a hundred million dollars. So I think it was definitely it struck a chord. Um, you know, probably with with women. Um, you know, about like there there's uh, them getting this kind of revenge. So it was very very popular. Um, yeah, it was, it was number two, like I said, the number two, uh, grossing film. So it's just kind of weird that, that I missed it back then on HBO, but, uh, it's one that, that I appreciate now. Yeah. And, and I would say, I would say watch it because it's that total, again, that eighties feel movie. Um, you know, you don't, have, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like eighties movies as we go through these, these years over the next 10 months, there's going to be movies that. I love now that I didn't see 
back in the 80s, and it, it just takes you back to that time. The whole feel, the way they shot the music, everything. Um, so I definitely uh, would would recommend this. I didn't know it was the second highest grossing movie. I, I'm curious to see if before we're done here, if we figure out what the first, the highest grossing movie was. But, <laughs> right. um, I got a guess. I got a guess. I'm sure you do. So, all right, well, let's move on to, uh, I think, your last choice. Yeah, so this is one uh, that uh, we have covered before on Throwback Reviews. In fact, this was uh, we had a buddy of ours, Ferg, uh, join us on this episode uh, way back when, many years ago. And this is the Blues Brothers. Now, uh, we've we've reviewed this movie before. I think most people have seen uh, the Blues Brothers, but if you, even if you haven't seen it, this is one of those movies that was a huge uh, cultural. Uh, it, it was like part of, part of the consciousness, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you see Jake and Elwood blues, you see those guys in the, uh, in their suits and their sunglasses. Um, you just know who they are, you know? Uh, there's so many, this is one of those movies. In, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say like top five. I don't know. I don't know. But it's one of those movies that's so quotable. There is so many lines in this movie that, just you know i mean i remember as a kid uh, like literally a kid you know going into things at school and having a teacher be like you know what do you think you're doing and i'd be like i'm on a mission from god <laughs> like like just these lines you know um uh, uh it, it's just so memorable to me one of the big things about this movie is that my dad is from chicago and so we have gone to Chicago and we have driven around and my dad, uh, you know, like there's a huge uh, scene that takes place where they wreck the mall where they're driving through the mall. And we've driven by that mall. Now the mall's gone now, but you know, we drove by the mall and was like, Oh, that's, that's where the mall was, you know, or, or when they're, they're having the car chase and you're driving under the L and, and we're like, well, I've been to where that is. So I've been to the, a lot of the locations. Um, I don't, Remember where I first saw this? I don't feel like it's an early HBO movie for me. I don't think it was a movie theater movie for me. I don't really know where uh, where I first encountered it. Probably late, maybe on regular TV or something, and you know, maybe in the mid '80s or something like that. Um, I, I and, and more than that, I remember. Uh, Definitely when this, when, when we first started moving to CDs uh, and people are ditching their cassette collections and, and starting to buy CDs, uh, this was one of the first CDs that my dad bought. And I remember borrowing it and just driving around, uh, listening to, you know, sweet home Chicago, listening to, um, uh, hidey, 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 ho, <laughs> you know, that, that mini the moocher and, and, um, uh, and Rawhide and all those songs that are in it. So it's a very musical kind of fun movie. I don't know that I knew who all the cameos were as a kid. Like, obviously, you know, Ray Charles. I don't know that I knew Aretha Franklin. I, you know, it's, I mean, some of those people uh, you you learn later as you get older. Shaka Khan's in it. Uh, it. It's just such a just such a fun movie, you know. Um, I, I just I just really love it. Yeah, it it was not. Uh... You know, like you said, we 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 did this episode with with Ferg. It wasn't a real big movie for me growing up. Uh, I think my first really f- full viewing of it 
was for when we did the podcast is when I, I think mm. I actually saw it for the first time from you know, start to finish. There's a lot of movies where you saw parts and everything, but, um, and, and I remember the, the car scenes and I think Ferg even brought this, this up about it being like, you know, how much, there was so many cars that they had used to demolish in, in this, uh, mm. in this movie. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I hate to say that most people have seen it, but I'm sure out of all the movies that we've talked about so far, I'd have to say this is probably the the most seen movie, maybe, I would guess. Um, it's no Watcher in the Woods. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, maybe, yeah, that's true. Maybe it's behind that, but... Yeah. So, but you know, like you said, a lot of a lot of familiar faces in this, and people that I mean, at the time, I wouldn't have recognized either. I mean, geez, you got Frank Oz in it as a corrections officer. I didn't know. Frank I didn't even Oz, know that until Frank Oz. You got Gary Fisher as the girlfriend, you know, with the rocket launcher in the, in yeah. the tunnel. You got, um, uh, yeah. There, there's just so so many people, so many, um, and and it's hard, I think, for people that didn't grow up like seeing this as a kid, knowing that. John Belushi was, you know, that first year, he was like the original Chris Farley. Mm -hmm. He was the original little bit overweight guy that would do the physical comedy that would, um, he was like adorable, but also funny. You know what I mean? Like, like these scenes where he would just take his glasses off and look at the camera and then you're like, Oh man, I love John Belushi. You know, my only, Um, my only real, um, you know, memory of of john belushi was from 1941 mm, yeah uh well of course uh animal house uh which you know is another 80s movie uh i think that was um or 70s i think uh um you know that that would be the i think the the early that was just like hey let's let's get john belushi and just let him be crazy for an hour and a half which is kind of what he does in that movie i don't think i've seen that whole movie either Really? No. Um, you know, but, it, it, you know, I would say it's like a lot of these movies, there's a lot of good scenes in it, but is it a good movie? I, I had a very sophisticated uh, taste, Rob. I was watching The Elephant Man. <laughs> I was watching Flash Gordon. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing is, we've reviewed it. Um, I think most people have known it, so I don't know that there's that much to say about it, um, but it just, like, I, I remember... Uh, I got a job when I, when I was in college, I got a job at a local newspaper. I probably mentioned this on the podcast, but, uh, but I went into the dark room and there was a painting and it was just a black and white. It was just black, uh, just an outline of the blues brothers, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so the, the white part was just the color of the wall, you know? So it's just a one color, uh, almost like a stencil. And it was just like, when you saw that and the guy was like, yeah, I put that up there. And it was like, like, I felt like I knew something about that guy. I was like, this is going to be a cool guy. It's into cool music. That's hip. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you just feel like somebody that know, that loves that movie. Like you're, you're going to, you kind of get a feeling for what they're going to be like. I don't, I don't know if that's like, true. Like, not, but... like someone that saw the private eyes. Uh, like, I would think you're like, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be cool. Who's going to be checking under their bed for Wookalars? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, man, those are, that's the movies I brought. I mean, I, there's so many movies from 1980. Like, we could do, literally, when, when you pitched this idea, I was like, Sean, we're going to have 100 movies to talk about. So we, we just kind of agreed to just bring some that were, were big names, some that were small names, but not, you know, the big, biggest blockbusters, you know. So, so um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like... Uh, one of the best things about this is we could go back and we could kind of appreciate every year of the 1980s and go back and look. I mean, a lot of these films, some of them didn't age well, but a lot of them are still funny today and they're worth going back and seeing. Yeah, it, this was uh, it was kind of tough to, to to go through and just pick a couple, you know, because we knew we couldn't fit in tons of movies. But I mean, we joked about it before the show like you know we could probably do this again next year and just there's so many movies <laughs> so i mean who knows what'll happen but i think it was fun you not not having you know not focusing on one specific movie and kind of going through these and really i, I really do feel as though i'm gonna you know i mean super fuzz obviously I, I discovered that i had seen it but i probably would have it probably been a wipe from my memory and never would have watched it again unless we did this and i'm kind of looking forward to revisiting some movies that I never would have thought to or, or just forgot that they existed or even, you know, uh, maybe watching some movies that you recommend that I never saw back in the 80s. I mean, there are a few movies that we'll touch upon as we go through the months and the years that, uh, like I said earlier, I had never seen before. And some of them are my favorite movies now this to this day. So, um, yeah, it was this was fun. And I, I look forward to to talk about 1981 uh, in February, we'll be doing that. But look, there's, you know, we, I don't think we've mentioned this for a while, but we have got a long list of, of movies. We've talked about a couple today. We've given you those episodes. But if you look in the show notes, there's actually a link to our archive page. They're not in the feed. We had some issues a few years back, and luckily we were able to rebuild the, and get the episodes back. So we have an archives page. You can find it in the show notes on your podcatcher, or you can go to the website, throwbackreviews.com, and you'll see a link to the archives page where I know, I'm pretty sure there's over 100 episodes there. I could be wrong, but guessing there's a lot there. So you could go back and listen to the very first episode, which I'm not proud of, but the private eyes. Uh, when I started out, I had never been a host before. I'd always been a co-host on, on podcasts. Um, you can listen to the Blues Brothers episode. You can listen to My Bodyguard. Tons of listening there if you want to hear some more uh, throwback reviews. If you're newer to the podcast, you know, you might be like, I don't know why these guys are starting off, uh, you know, in this episode. Where, but <laughs> that, that's why we had some, we you know, hackers suck and we had some issues. But there is the archive space. So go ahead and check that out. Um, you can find any of the podcasts that I'm involved with. You can go to All Dutch Pods. It's got links on the side to different podcasts I'm doing. This one included Horrified Chicken, which I do with my wife. Um, if you're a runner, The Negative Splits. Anything I've done there, old shows, the average runner and OTR playlist. Um, Rob, what about you if people want to find out more about what you're doing? Uh, well, the best link to go to is podcast.robohara.com. That's got all my podcasts. Uh, I had a, a dedicated show for my patrons 
called Rando Rob that I have been releasing. I've actually been releasing old episodes one a day, and that's going to be going for about two more months. Uh, i got a lot of back episodes of that, so uh, you'll see those on the feed. There's also a video version of that if you go to um, uh, youtube.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. You can find the video versions of Rando Rob, but uh, I'm still doing Sprite Castle, which I'll have a new episode of that coming out uh, probably this weekend, and You Don't Know Flack, and uh, all kinds of podcast stuff going on. So yeah, go to podcast.robohara.com. That's got links to all my different shows. Sounds good, man. It's great. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up unless you got any closing words you want to talk about. Uh, I think I'm good on 1980. I don't know. The thing is, the problem is that 1980 is such a great year, man. I mean, we didn't get into Airplane. We didn't talk about Caddyshack. Friday the 13th came out in 1980. Superman 2, The Shining came out. And, of course, the number one movie, the one that the only movie that earned more money than 9 to 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Sean, I can tell you so many stories about The Empire Strikes Back. I remember going on opening day. I went to go see Empire Strikes Back with my dad. Uh, we went to the movies. Uh, we waited in line. We went uh, very early in the day. Uh, I was very excited because I had seen there was going to be this thing about Yoda. And I was like, Yoda is going to be a puppet, but the voice sounds like Miss Piggy or Grover. Like, that's going to be weird. How's that? We'll